It's Tara Wallace, and we are here at I Love Me More podcast with Dr. Jamila T. Davis. How you doing today? I am feeling good, baby. You know why I'm feeling good, y'all? Because what? I love me more, period. Period. <laughs> First of all, is there, are, are we matching? No, I, I was looking at that, right? <laughs> and y'all would think that this was planned, but this is how much this we in align with each other, this you know? This is insane. When we put these self-care routines together and started focusing on ourselves, you know? This is I don't know, crazy. the glow started kind of... It started popping up. We, I mean, I, like it's like uh, telepathically we are in line with each other. The universe has us aligned. And guess what? Y'all about to be aligned with us. So, eight steps from breaking free from a toxic relationship. That's what this is all about. We're giving you the game of how to empower yourself to just love on yourself to not let nobody else hinder on that love. So we breaking free from toxicity. We breaking free from anything that ain't right, y'all. We getting it right. We fixing it. It's the healing seat. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've been through my own journey. And it's no secret I was in a toxic relationship, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also another side to that. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, we're here. We're talking about that because there's a face to everybody. And, you know, a lot of, when you're going through something, it comes with a lot of shame, right? Mm -hmm. People deal with that. And this is like our voice, giving voice to who we are and what we're trying to do. That's what's up. Because yeah. I know I had a lot of shame with going to federal prison mm -hmm. for close to a decade and leaving my kids behind. My kids were 9 and 11 when I left. And I ain't returned home today was 18 and 21. And that shame thing that you talked about, it just hit me, sis, because that was like a real place that I was in. I didn't really feel good about myself because of the poor choices that I made. And I had to learn to forgive myself. And then that forgiveness really came healing. Yeah. Look, it was, um, I was national TV. Find out the person that you love the most wakes up and marries someone else and everybody blames you. It must That's be crazy. your fault. You know, and there was no, there's no right in it. If you go left, if you go right, it's all wrong. And honestly, it's about maneuvering through it. And that's all, that's all you can do. Now I own it. It happened. It's not the end of the world. And we're moving on. I'm using the story to help empower, educate other women. That's what's up. And that's really what it's all about. Really understanding that you are your greatest asset, right? Mm -hmm. Loving yourself more so you're not putting somebody else before you. So if somebody doesn't honor you, mm -hmm. somebody doesn't respect you, if somebody doesn't love you, it's okay to break free and say, you know what? Do you, baby? Because I love me more. Period. <laughs> so I'm excited about today's guest, y'all. Yeah. So this is the love seat. The lovely love seat. And in the love seat, we have transformation conversations. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about that nitty gritty. We ain't coming with no superficial mess. This ain't all about the this and the that. This is about purpose, life, healing, the real shh that they don't really talk about, right? We're going to talk about it, get into it. So we're going to talk with someone who's super empowering, 
whose story of overcoming, right, is just so dope. She was my guardian angel in a very, very dark place. Y'all gonna hear all about it. And boy, mm, my sister went through some mess, but she made it through on the other side just like us. Yeah. And that's the common denominator, y'all. You know, everybody make it look good, but folks done been through something. So on the love seat, we gonna have them real conversations and we talking about that real talk. So get ready, y'all. But first, let's pay the bills. Here's a word from our sponsors. Hello, friends. It's your girl, Dr. Jamila T. Davis, and I have a special announcement. We are finally opening up the Black Women's Lives Matter community. So what does that mean in real time? We can fellowship with you. We have this platform that we're giving to you for absolutely free. And it's a place where you can learn from other black women just like you. And we're gonna be learning real things, speaking to experts about finances, relationships, fashion, makeup, parenting, you name it, we got it in the community. It's a place that we can fellowship and also heal. We're also going to be having therapy in the community. There's a lot of things that we need to talk about to get off our chest, you know, and we're going to do it in a safe place where we can learn from experts about how to maximize our potential and become the best us that we can possibly be. So what does this mean? It's time to click the link in our bio and join today. It is absolutely free. It costs you nothing <laughs> and it will grow you so much, I promise you. So meet me in the community. You get to actually work with me this year. I'm going to be doing some one-on-ones. I'm going to be doing some group work and it's all about leveling up. Meet me in the community. I'll see you soon. And y'all already know what it is. It's going down. All right, y'all. So we are back and we have a special, special guest. And she is a warrior, an overcomer, a survivor of so many different things. She's my friend, my colleague, who's now a business, well, been a businesswoman, but has now taken her life to a whole nother level. Let's give it up for my dear friend, Miss Keisha Ellis. Thanks for having me. Hi. Welcome to Thank I Love You More. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's... Talk a little bit about how we met. So Jamila and I met, oh, I'm going back now. It got to be over 19 years ago. Jamila and I met. Uh, yeah, 19 years ago, Jamila and I met. Um, I worked at the federal prison. I was the ORC of the camp, the female camp up there. And Jamila was an inmate up there at the time. And uh, Jamila used to always come to my door and knock out my door and be like, you know, come in with these ideas and she was very aggressive at doing all the time. And I was like, yo, this girl's so aggressive. Like, damn, she makes me nervous a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I was in my office. So one day I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give her a try. I'm going to see what this is about. And she came in and she just had all these bright ideas. And they were so intriguing. You know what I mean? So as her and I every day just started seeing each other every day, I gained this level of trust with her. And Vice versa, she gained this level of trust with me. And I felt that, you know, when it came to me, as we'll get later down the line of talking, anything that was done, maybe was it a little bit unethical because you never put... Wait, 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 hold on. Before we go into all this, I'm going to for a minute, but we won't talk about this. So, yes, y'all, you are right. She was working in the federal prison and she was actually over the camp that I was housed at for seven 
whole mm-hmm. years. And at that time, you know, she was the person who was in charge of us. So at the camp, there's a, unlike the federal prison, the warden is kind of like the one that runs the camp, but she was the person in charge of the camp that I was housed in for seven years. So technically it was officer and inmate, right? And in those spaces and places, you're not supposed to actually make friends. We're actually supposed to be on the opposite side, okay? right? Yeah. But sis, me and this one right here, it's like we became besties in... Yeah. While I was incarcerated. Wow. Yes. Is that crazy? Mm-hmm. Crazy. But, but, but it's good to know that her personality has always been the same, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I think our, and our personalities never clash. Right. We always mesh together in such of a good way. And got to a point where I'm telling you, like, going in there, whatever I was dealing with on the outside, I, I, and when I'm walking in, Jamila see me walking in, sis. Come on, sis. I'm coming down the hallway. Just waiting for me to come down the hall once I get in my office. And she's like, uh-uh, what's wrong? I'll be like, you know, whatever, whatever happened over the weekend with my personal life, I couldn't wait to get in to tell Jamila about it. Because I knew Jamila was just going to lay everything down on the line of says this, what you should not be doing, what you should do. Don't do this. Do. And so, but I felt like I needed it. She was just. And this. I needed you. And, right. So hold on. So yes. this one, baby. Yeah. So now she's Ellis, but back then she's Perkins. We're going to get into all of that, yes. too. Okay. Yeah. She was different, okay? So, I mean, she's still pretty. But now take it 20 years ago, right? So far, so beautiful. Pull up to the camp in her Lexus. Shape out her little tight little, uh, you know what I mean? Officer pants. And, you know, she walking in there with her head down to her butt. And the women did not like her, Adam. okay? Because she was a no-nonsense officer. She wasn't mm-hmm. the cool officer like, oh, y'all, you know Miss Perkins? She, no, baby. That I thing? was. No, I was. Hold on. You was to you, baby, but you was strictly business. Yes. You didn't play. Yeah. You made, we had yeah. real serious stuff happening in there, right? Yeah. And if we didn't follow the rules to the standards that she set for the building, yeah. oh, it was going down. She was taking microwaves. Mm-hmm. She was taking privileges. She was shutting stuff down. So in that instance, there was mixed reviews, right? Yes. Now, people loved her who knew her. But the thing was, she ain't let that many people get to know her because she was wild, funny, like, excuse, like I just did me. That's what I'm saying. How do you go from being so strict and all business to meeting a woman in Jamila? the same place and and opening up, but, creating a space for you guys to even? I mean, that is such. I mean, that it's crazy that you asked that. I don't know either, Tara. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamila just had this way about her, and when she came at me, she always said to me that this place wasn't for me. I was bigger than this place. Like, you're bigger than this place. You're so smart. You're so this. So I'm just always like, pushing it away, pushing it away. To finally one day I say, you know what? I'm going to see what this girl is about. And one thing I tell you, this Jamila was this tough girl. I couldn't come in here about my little personal life, going through what I was going through, crying and stuff. No, Jamila. And I tell you, in the nine years that I spent with her, i never seen her cry. Mm. Never, ever, ever seen Jamila cry. She may have been crying inside, but she never let me see it on the surface. I felt like she felt like she needed to be stronger for me than I needed to be for her mm. in, in our roles. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes we were ver- reversing roles. I was an inmate in my own world, in my personal world. Right? And she was the free one. And so, I saw that opposite. As, yeah. Because you gave me my freedom. Yeah. Right? So at times we told it the line, like she would allow me to contact my family, 
keep me in tune with technology and what things were happening. So when I went into our office, it was my safe space, right? So I was, first of all, it was a revolving door. Most people didn't have a 12 and a half year sentence that I was around. Usually if you're in a federal camp, you get two years, three years, 18 months, two days, two days sometimes. Like the craziness, right? And I had all of this time. So with this woman, I spent so many years, right? And it wasn't like she she had her guards up. So it wasn't like I just came in the door and said, hey, girl, what up? And we, this was after years of trust. She saw me, because okay. she ain't trust nobody, honey. Uh, 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 uh. No. No. It was that type of situation. But when she finally trusted me and she okay. saw that I loved her, because when I got to know her, yeah. to know her mm-hmm. is to love her. So it was like, yo, we started working together. So I went back to school and she went back to school too. At the same time. You feel me? I was like, yo, I'm going to use this Tom Wazzy. I'm about to get these degrees. I found out about this college. I put it on like, yo, sis, I got the cut. She's like, yo, bring the books. I bring the books in. So literally, as an inmate, I was like, I'm going to show her this. Boom, we're going to level up together. Because she just was one degree away from a promotion. Mm -hmm. She been was supposed to have the promotion, Mm -hmm. but she needed the degree. So then I remember convincing you, like, yo, sis, you could do yeah, this. Yeah, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, I got it. And I got the promotion. Then, you know, that a door just. Baby. Now, sis, yeah. I don't know if you're ready for this one. Because she got so. We was like, we hard. And the fact that we just built this up. Like, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm. I'm As she said, Jamila said, like, when I was there, I was so. My office was very guarded. Mm-hmm. Coming in my office, I mean, for a lack of better words and a, a term to use, was like going into the president's office. You could not come in my office if I had no trust level with you. Jamila was one of them that there was her coming there. It was like every morning getting coffee. What's up, sis? What you do the night before? What you did over Talk about my other cousins, you know. And I, I know she wouldn't mind me saying her name. Like Jamila knew of Marisha, who's here with us today, as she, as we all was all girls. Like we was all one little sister thing because I constantly would bring up them to her because it was like she was a part of it. Okay. You feel me? So... Then uh, going to school, we completed that. I applied for this job, and Jim was like, "Sis, we got this." So I did get the promotion. So I hold on, hold on. The hate though that was in the building. oh yeah, the hate that was in the, the building. But it was so a for me, Yeah, remember now, I'm an inmate. I'm an inmate that is dealing with an officer on the right now, and I'm a clerk of recreation. That's a whole other thing. So I got the a whole high level position as an inmate, and then my relationship with her. So it gave me power. Okay, because I was really an inmate. But I, I was an inmate with power because she had the power. So people would start coming to me. Yo, Bella, I need my bad move. This ain't working. So I'd be like, all right, hold up, hold up. Wait a second. I'm, I'm going to talk to her. Just give me a minute. You know what I'm saying? So I would go talk to them and be like, yo, you know, Miss Annie. You know, and I always say, only because of you. I'm only doing it because of you because I want them to know that you can get things done as well. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Through me. So only because of you. You know, she wanted Jamila was want to have all these big parties and a picnic. So Jamila wants the MC, and you know how she is right now. That's that's Jamila. She wants to have this big. I was like, so she didn't want us to have parties, like, but she used to let us have a party outside. Jamila, you want to get the microphone karaoke? I said, Jamila, we're not doing that. Oh, well, please. I'm like, yo, 
Only because of you, boy <laughs> So we had the big party. Yeah. We had all of the things because we needed that. Yeah. First of all, we yeah, was yeah. depressed on holidays, yeah. going through our pain. Mm-hmm. So because of my connection with sis and locking in, I was able to get privileges for folks. And I did the right thing with my power. I didn't abuse yeah. my power. But I remember that one day, <laughs> right? It was the Russian little lady. They done stole the Russian little lady's clothes and all stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Because I used to protect the old people too. Yeah. And they went yeah. in there and they done stole this lady's stuff and she come jump in there. They take everything. They take everything. Okay. So I ring yeah. up in the room and I'm like, hey, yo, where's her stuff at? Yeah. Right? Oh, okay, I can talk? Nah. I can keep it real? Yeah, yeah. So I'm running up, hey, yo, where's her stuff? Give me her stuff, right? Okay. So they want to play, yo, we don't know where it's at. I like, I, I got you. Boom. Yo, sis. No, 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 no. They took the old lady stuff. That, oh, they took her stuff? Okay, walkie-talkie. Lockdown. Boom. They they drug them. She in there. She taking the stuff out because now she got the power. I didn't run up in nobody's lockups. She getting the old lady her stuff back. Right. And they, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I come on the visiting floor, the family, oh, Jamila, we love you. Thank yeah, you so much. Oh, my God. And that's because of her because she gave me the power. Yeah. So because of the structure that I had, I was... Prison was a bad thing because I was away from my kids and stuff like that. Right. But she, I don't want to get emotional. Oh my God, I, she can't get emotional because I know yeah. she knows. Hold up. Yeah. But for me, in many ways, it was relief, right? Because mm-hmm. I had a lot of fake friends in the world, a lot of friends who loved me because of the things that I had. But this woman loved me and I, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to give up on myself. So she loved the person. That's all I wanted. That I was. You knew. You knew that. It was all I wanted. Even, and we're going to fast forward, even when Jamila came home, I never looked for anything from her. You know what I mean? Never, never, ever, ever. I just wanted her. I just wanted to continue to be in her life, be her friend. I know you're busy, but we're going to keep in contact. I don't want you to lose contact. So when she called me for this, I'm just like, yeah, I would, I would, I would fly over here if I had to. I would jump the hoops to get over here and do it oh for God. her because it's not that we weren't in contact, but I knew there was nothing I needed from Jamila. I just, we just, we loved each other. And Jamila last year's, as long as I was able to be there and make sure she was good. A little chicken mac- <laughs> Yes, honey. I got my little chicken McNuggets. It's like, I, it, this is just it's so emotional, so, right? It's so emotional. It's just so much. Oh, well, you ain't even I've never, first of all, I've never seen you emotional. <laughs> and you just said you've never seen her cry. Oh, uh, time. Because it's bringing me back to the spaces. It was like a dark place, but God had to rescue me. Right. Mm-hmm. So prison was a place where he used to heal me because I wasn't on purpose. I'm chasing celebrities and this and money and all this yeah. old shit that really didn't mean anything. But it was in that dark space where God like began to deal with me and talk to me. And then she was just right there. And she had a bright idea every day, Tara. Every <laughs> day. <laughs> Tara. No, you don't every get day. it. Jamila, she came in. I, had to st- I started her social media up for her. That's right. Her social media, I started that. What? Jamila's social media right now, I started that. Her Instagram, remember we paid to get the... <laughs> but then we didn't need to do that yeah. because, well, your mom did it because yeah. she got the followers. The calendar. Mm-hmm. You started the calendar. Mm-hmm. So all these contacts, it was me. Like I said, to uh, we'll, we'll get past it. So anything I ever done was nothing for me to say, you got to go to jail or anything like that. Was it a little bit unethical? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Because I took to this person for some reason, saw the better in me. Mm-hmm. But when she did that, I actually feel like she put herself in danger's way because of me. Not losing her job or anything like that because that wasn't a, a, a situation. But 
It was a situation. But no, but the situation became because I feel like there were women in the prison who saw me and they thought she was doing, you know, we rocked. But my mom was doing a lot too, like publishing in my books and stuff. So people felt like, because they seen me glowing up from behind bars as an inmate, they got jealous of the relationship that me and her had. So I feel like she became a target at that particular point. And some evil people, uh, I'm going to let her tell that part of the story. So throughout the time, as Jamila told you, there were people got evil. And uh, there was one lady, and you know, again, I'm never going to say anybody's names up here. I'm just going to say an individual. She came to me and she mentioned what I'm about to say happened to me that was going to happen. So I went, of course, Jamila, come here real quick. Why such and such just came to me and told me X, Y, and Z. Girl, F her, F her. She did, she that. And I'm like, I don't know. Should we, you know, listen to it? She did. So now I had a staff member who came in my office and was telling me about some things that she was doing, uh, where she, what she was doing, what she wasn't doing, what she was supposed to do. So I entertained the conversation. So when I say I wrote my wrongs, I wrote my wrongs by entertaining them, saying what I have done. I entertained a conversation with someone who was doing something they were not supposed to be doing. But in the midst of it, she was having this conversation with me like if she was doing it, like it was her. But in the midst of it, she was setting me up. Mm-hmm. She was so said, you got to get clear on that so people can really understand. So the particular individual was the case manager. And, right? the and she was working. So the crazy part to it is we was working together, but the stuff we was doing was for good, for people, for transformation, for healing, for women over incarcerated, things of that nature. But she was working with a different set of inmates who was really getting like me and our tree. You feel me? And they was doing stuff like running date and stuff. So this case, yeah, the case manager was doing back, you know, messed up things with the inmates by, like, like she said, running dating sites, going, putting them on dating sites so they could find men to give them money while they're in jail. And she was collecting the money for them and doing all this. So that's what she was doing. So now she didn't like my relationship with Jamila and another individual who did now came on board, uh, came and left. And I don't want to say that person's name mm-hmm. here either, um, who is a dear sister to both her and I right mm-hmm. now. Um, so they didn't like that. They didn't like my relationship with it. So they had to find a way to set, to get me out the picture. So to get me out the picture, she came to me. Now, listen, I ain't no blonde head. Well, hold like, on. We got to go back because we taking it too fast. You okay. got that degree. Oh, I got the degree. I put it for the job. I got the promotion. Correct. So now I'm promoted, which I'm going to be leaving the camp and I'm going to be going in, inside well, that. She don't know that. She don't know that yet. So she thinks she's going to take her position. Yes. Because she had more power and pull yes. over her. So it's so she thought I was going to be that uh, she thought I was going to stay at bump the up. and bump her out the way. Right. But which I was going inside to work with the men because I knew the men was coming. So I wanted a different, you know, atmosphere, different feel of different population of instead of me working women, I want to try the men. So I know I was going in, inside with the men. I was preparing her for my exit. This is how this is what we're going to do. We're going to get you set up. We're going to get you all right. The case manager who was there didn't know where I was going. She thought, you know, because I was so well, I was so well liked by the warden, the captains and all that. I was very well liked by them. So my, my growth level was, was, was going higher and higher as far as I wanted to take it, as long as I was going to be there. They seen that they didn't like it. So um, her amongst her with all her inmates who now was kind of competing against me and my crew, so to speak, you know what I mean? They gotta this get, is a whole Netflix. They gotta get. <laughs> they gotta get me out the way. Okay. So the way they got me out the way was she came to my office and had a conversation with me and had multiple conversations with me. 
right? Me not knowing she was recording the whole time. So she had a mic on, whatever. I don't know if it was in a pen. I don't know where it was. So I was engaging in the conversation. It wasn't nothing from the conversation. I was engaging. So she's trying to be nosy to see how much this lady's really doing. Me. So here go me thinking I'm outsmarting them, right? And, and, and this is the honest guy truth. Because when I heard about it, I said, wow, I'm going to keep having these conversations. I'm going to get her enough to trust me to tell me what she's doing. So once she gave me up, I'm telling on her. I'm going to tell her, I'm going to get her out the way before she gets me out the way. But it didn't work like that. So one Friday morning. So this, this woman is not an inmate. She, no, she was she, a staff. She was a staff member. She was a case She was manager. a staff that had her crew. Mm-hmm. She was a staff that had her crew. Right. And she had the most power in the building. Yeah. And the lady thought she was going to trump her. Because see, the thing that kept her away from her promotion was her degree. Okay. And I knew that. Right. So when I knew I was about to get my degree, I'm like, yo, sis, we go look together. Let's go do this. Yeah. So when I enrolled, she enrolled and she got her soon as she got her um, degree. Yeah. Boom. She got her promotion. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So one morning I uh, once I so her and I talked. And so now we had it all set up. She was like, oh, I want you to come to me um, to this location. This uh, inmate's family is going to pay me this money. And I'm like, really, let's go. So I'm, when I tell you, Tara, I'm excited to get in this car, go with her to the location where she's going to get the money. Because once I got in the car, I was, going, I was going to tell. I was going to call and I was going to tell. So that did happen. I got in the car with her. We went to a parking lot. I physically seen money. And now the whole time, me not knowing that I'm out in this parking lot, the feds is watching me. The parking lot is full, surrounded with feds in their cars. I can't see them, but it's surrounded with feds. They were waiting for me to touch that money and put that money in my possession. And that was going to be all I wrote. Right. But here's the thing. I never touched the money because it wasn't about the money for me. My, my goal was to get her, well, not Jamila, the, the staff member, so I can get her into a position because now I'm telling on her. I'm telling what she's doing. And girl, I did that. Once we left the parking lot, I got on the phone. I called uh, the captain of the prison. I said, I got her. I got her. Guess what? I told him the whole story. The money was there. I didn't touch the money. She got this inmate family member paying her all this money. I'm breaking it down to what happened. That was on a Saturday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I went to work. She never came to work, the case manager. Now, I seen her on Saturday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she never came to work. So I'm calling the captain. I'm like, yo, why is she here at work yet? I said, because you, we, need to, we need to write this up. I'm telling you, this is, you know, so what? A, he was like, she didn't come to work yet. So he said he didn't know what's going on. Friday morning, knock, knock at my door, like five o'clock in the morning, waking me up. I go to the door. And, I mean, I had a T-shirt and some panties on. I open the door. The feds at my door. And I'm like, what's going on? They wanted me to, you know, uh, turn on my gun and all that because they knew I had a gun in the house. So I had to um, turn my gun over, go clear the gun, give them the gun, um, let me put some clothes on. We interviewed, and I'm like, so when he told me, I'm like, what are you guys here for? So once he told me what they was here for, I'm like, oh, yes, like, oh, my God, you guys are here to help me. Like, I'm thinking they're here to help me. And I was like, hold on, can I get my pocketbook over there? So I think, let me get up, go get my pocketbook. I take this number out of my pocketbook. I put it on the table. I say, you see, whose number is that? Because I'm trying to prove my right here. Who, whose number is this? He said, that's her office number. I said, exactly. I was about to call y'all. I got y'all number. I was instructed to call you guys to let you guys know what was going on, report it to the feds. So long story short, they didn't, they didn't want to hear it. There, here is this black girl who they gave two, that curse, two shits about. Um, 
made me look like the bad guy, made me look like I um, was taking all these briberies, um, protected this white girl, um, in my opinion, you know what I mean? So in the end, I fought the case for a year. They all, oh. So I'm going to tell my part. Oh, you know, okay. So, we, so we, now we, it's on Friday. Yeah, I didn't report the work. So they let me go to work. So let me back up. I'm sorry. So Friday, I um, they was in my house for like three hours, you know, interviewing me. And I'm telling the truth. And I'm giving them the whole rundown, everything. But in their mind, they didn't even care about it. They just wanted me to admit to something I was doing because it was a whole entrapment. They was trying to entrap me in some, and I wasn't going for it. So I didn't go to work that Friday. So then I get a phone call. Oh, and then Jamila found out. When did you get arrested? Friday, that Friday. And that's, so they, they took you that day? They took me that day. So that's the Friday that rocked my world. Yeah. So she said in prison, I never cried. I never did. I mean, if I did, it was just to myself because I was always just trying to be strong to get through. But that Friday, when I got word that she was arrested, I cried like a newborn baby. I was so sick. Because it was like, I knew that she got, she told us what was going on. Right. Mm-hmm. She told us, yo, the lady taking bribes, this, that, the third, I'm about the reporter, this, that, the third. They di-. So we knew the story. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And it was like, yo, and I knew the inmate who was behind the other lady taking the bribes because the inmate had the business. So it was like there was the inmate that I feel like is a city slicker. That's that's the manipulator mm-hmm. got next to the woman. I don't think the woman would have really been doing this. So they was doing this. Yeah. This is what they was doing. They taking money to get people early halfway house time referrals, right? Mm-hmm. And the crazy part. So here's a pause. Here's the thing, Tara. I didn't have. I can't that. even do that. I didn't have the power to do that. She was the only one with the power to do that. I didn't have the power to do that. But that's so she the, basically got arrested for something that she couldn't even do it. I can't even do. I couldn't even do it at the time. Because that's what they was yeah. doing. And then let me tell you. So once that. Um, so I fought my case for the year. When I tell you, when I look at things in the news right now of people who's fighting cases, you know, uh, I don't want to mention people's name, you know, people on federal charges, you know, you see them, oh, they're just out in the world. They did a bond. They're out in the world. I mean, they got some serious charges. Me, I'm just on some bribery charges, right? Girl, they had me locked down like I was a murderer. I was on a bracelet. I was monitored 24 hours a day. Um, I had what they call these babysitters. And my cousin who's here today, like I tell you, like I, um, for 24 hours a day, like I have to have these people here with me in my house to monitor me all day of my time. So this is because they didn't want, they took my phones, any computers. They didn't want me to communicate with anybody at the prison and meet staff members, whoever it was, because they didn't want me to beat the case. So they put me in this box in my house. So I was already in jail for the year until finally I got to a point and I said, I can't do this. I'm done with it. Y'all can put me in jail. Y'all can do what y'all want to do, but I'm going to take the time. And the lawyer said, he slow down. I said, no. So hold on. You speeding still because now I'm the inmate. I stood tall. I ain't telling nobody. Right. So I did my time. They was like, yo, what's up? Da, 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 da. What's the numbers? And I could have because the people that got wild bread, there's people who were supposed to be behind bars. I took it all. They didn't give my kids a dollar, nothing. I stood tall. I did it. But when they got my friend, this is my friend. I'm like, yo, we not doing that. Yo, 
I organized the inmate club. This is where you knew this, you knew that, you knew this. We got up. Let's go. And yeah, let's go. Like, oh, you, you, you know everything. And then the people who did it to her, I wanted to kill them. Kill them. I wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was getting, I was getting messages back that I this is what she was doing. I knew if I put my hands yeah. on this lady, I was going to be shipped out and I wasn't going to be able to help her. Yeah. But I went and I fired her because I told her. I said, I know you evil bitch. I know what you did. Like, how y'all go? Y'all know this lady ain't had nothing to do with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, long story short, it was like four or five of us who we knew what was going on. Yeah. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So, I'm like, nah, she got to come home. She got to come home. I don't talk on people, but today I'm talking. I'm talking and I'm telling you that. Yeah. So, I called the warden. I'm calling the door. Yo, what up? Like, yo, go call fans, get the people. We, I, I, got, I got something they need to know. Yeah. And it was bugging because everybody running from the feds. I'm running into I got four statements right here that cooperate. This is what they was doing. You feel me? So we kind of flipped the case a little bit because they wasn't expecting nobody to come support her mm -hmm. and have something to say mm -hmm. in her benefit. But I had to call up and we talking. Yeah, we talking yeah. and y'all doing and y'all just set this lady up who had nothing to do with nothing. And yes, I'm telling. It was that. And I locked the people up and we went to the feds. They had to call and I made everybody give statements. So they put her on lockdown because they didn't understand her influence. How she got inmates who never talk and niggas that's laying down for so, a uh, Hold on. Now, once she did that, let me tell you, once she did that, I knew I had to get a hold of her. She needed to hear my voice because I know that she is in there going crazy. Mm -hmm. So I had a staff member come to me, uh, come to my house, which they snuck to my house. We're sneaking, doing it to get the phone. I said, listen, you got to get in there. You got to let her hear my voice. She has to hear my voice in order for her to calm down. So we finally got her on the phone to calm her down. Like, hey, she was like, I love you. I love you. I said, I love you too, but I'm going to be okay. I said, I'm going to be okay, but I need you to come. Like, I just need you too. Because it was crazy. The, the, so the I didn't want her to keep getting herself so much in trouble. Right. And I didn't want them to put her in segregation mm -hmm. behind her doing what she doing. So I just said, I just need you to calm down. So it, with that being said, once they knew I had this army of inmates behind me, right? Oh, the pressure was on for me. Girl, the pressure was on. It got worse and worse and worse. Because the feds want to prove they can't. Yeah. So that's it, a long suit. Yeah. You just locked this lady up. And it's so stupid because they didn't even understand the rules because she didn't have the power to do what they said she did. Yeah. And it got worse and worse. So now they called me one day because they knew this and told me that they needed me to come down to the probation office in, in, in New Haven to give them my in medical card. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. So I'm fighting my case right now. I could get out, get some fresh air. Told my daughter. So now I got approved to go down there. So I told my daughter, let's go do lunch that day. So me and my daughter, uh, I said, well, before we do lunch, we're going to go bring this medical card to these people. I don't know what they wanted for. I didn't understand it. So I went in there. I go in there. Here come the feds. And I'm just like, what's up? <laughs> like, like, what's up? That's why I just said, what's up? What y'all want? I mean, I'm not doing nothing wrong. I'm doing everything right. So they locked me. They put me up in Rhode Island for 21 days because they just needed now to take me away out the equation so I can't really talk to nobody. And then they said that I had made contact with the captain. Um, of the prison. So they locked me in Rhode Island. 
segregated. But you had not. Wait, no, no, no. She spoke to the captain. So let's talk. Then we're going to talk this. If we're going to talk. And yeah, so talk. no, but I got this was the, now the, this the second time they locked me up again. The captain stuff, right? Yeah. So this is the same captain that I used to see going in her office crying because he got all kind of people and she was his support, making sure he was good. And that, 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 standing tall with him when they was about to take him out. They had him with a whole racial discrimination yeah. case and was about to get him and out. And I support, I was there for him 100%. So when I was going through what I was going through now, now that. 20 days. I got out, right? I got out. I was able to go out. Now I got babysitters. So they want babysitters. That's when my cousin who's here with me today, she was one of the babysitters, my mother, my daughter's husband. So, but when I was in Rhode Island, they locked me, they segregated me from population. So they put me in a 24 hour lockdown. Any movement I had, I had to have movement. I was in handcuffs and shackles from a lieutenant to escort me to the bathroom, to the phone and all that. So they was treating me like I was a street murdering. So finally I said, you know, where's the warden? Where's the superintendent? Like, I want to waive my rights. I will waive my rights to say that. Whatever happens, happens, right? I, y'all can't keep keeping me locked up in the cell like this. Like, I need to get out. I need to move. I need to maneuver a little bit. And the more I was doing it, the madder I was getting, the crazier my mind was getting, Right. My mind was getting crazy. And I just knew, okay, Keish, like I had to just shake that shit off for a minute and just like, let me get myself together. So I got it together. I would go to that phone, to that pay phone, escort it, whatever, come back. Now I got out. I got everything situated. I got out. So now I'm thinking everybody's, you know, worried about me. I finally, I called the captain. I had to do a three-way to the captain. Like, hey, he was my good friend, you know? Girl, after I hung up with him, he reported me and told him that I called him. And I was only going to see how he was doing. Like, the, let him hear my voice to let him know I was okay. okay. He called and reported me. So, girl, now I had a, now they put a warrant out for me. Now I had to go back to court. So once I get in court, <laughs> here come the two little being feds again. I'm like, oh, God. Every time I see them two, what y'all want? Crazy. Well, what's up? Oh, girl, now they locked me up. So, and he's sitting in there, so he had to testify against me. So now they locked me back up again. So now I'm back in Rhode Island, in the cell again, going through the same process. Um... For 21 days, so I had to up the security. Now they, they needed to enhance my security, how I was going to be monitored for the rest of and that. And once we enhanced it, I got bigger on the, you know, more stringent with the babysitters. So now my cousin had to sleep over on these days. My mother was here on these days. Then I had to have a cousin move in with me where her and I, I end up fighting in my house. So I don't speak to her today. We had a fight, a little fight in my house. So it was just Can't so much. Can't make it up. So now I just said to a point, I'm over this. I'm done. I'm going to jail. Lock me up, whatever. At least I can get these monkeys off my back. And I'm thinking, I can't get no more than this time. So long story short, I took a year and a day. I did. Um, the judge who sentenced me, awesome guy. And I'll tell you one thing. You never, ever, 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 ever will hear a federal judge writing a reference letter for an inmate he sentenced. Two weeks after I was sentenced, my judge wrote me a letter. Because um, they knew it was bullcrap. So I got sentenced to a year and a day. I did six and a half months. He allowed me to pick the the prison I want. I did my time in um, uh, Texas. Um, it was a camp out there. Uh, when I got out there, it was so crazy. It wasn't the inmates. It was the staff members who were so intimidated by me because they knew I had. Now, remind you, I just lost 18 and a half years of my time for the Federal Bureau of Prison as a federal officer, law enforcement, a law enforcement officer. So all that was gone. So when I got there, the staff there just wanted to <sighs> test my buttons, test my waters, whatever. But they wasn't liking me. But they knew I knew too much my knowledge of me. So I was on the board as what they call probably a hot inmate. I'm a former staff member and I'm a summer hot inmate. So they wanted to, you know, test me. And I went to the warden down there. I said, listen, 
I'm going to tell you like this. I'll call the NAACP. I don't know who the hell I'm going to call. You can lock me in segregation, but I'm not dealing with this shit with your staff members here. I'm not. I'm here to do my time and get out of here. That's all I want to do. I told her what was going on. They keep coming at me. They keep doing this. So this warden said, come. She wanted to speak to me the next day. So I spoke to her the next day. So every day they will put me into a conference room and education to audit their files. So I forged signatures. I did all that shit for my time. So I was a staff member. So when I would get up to go to the bathroom, I will always walk the long way to make me feel like, because when I go to work, I'm going to audit files. So when I would get up out the bathroom, I would walk around the long way to go to the bathroom because I felt like I'm not in here. So my mind, I kind of like flipped my mind a little bit to make me think I'm working and I'm not an Emmy. And that's how I survived. Um, I never got visits. Uh, I would FaceTime and do videos with my kids and, uh, again, my cousin, who I love to death, who's here today. Um, couldn't think her enough. So crazy. Uh, so crazy, this story. And I tried to get to prime because I ended up having to go to the RDAP program to get time off my sentence. Oh, yeah, she was trying to get time off like me. <laughs> and I got successfully designated. Yes. Two kids. So I said, we're going to be together. We're going to be inmates together. But once they found out I was there... Somebody, I think somebody that was one of her old hater staff members tipped them off. And yeah. Couldn't do that. Yeah. So, so the long story short is we reconnected when I got free. She got out first. I got out. Yes. And it was so much with that. You know what I'm saying? There's so much of a uh, 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 bonding. And, yeah. you know, you know that I'm friends with Lauren Hill and I'm friends with Lauren because of Keisha. Keisha was the one that connected us together when she was incarcerated. Because just like she took care of me, she also made sure that Lauren was straight. So just a good person that just been through so much hell. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share her story, but I also wanted to bring it back to I Love Me More, which is the toxic relationships. Now, I wouldn't say our, our relationship was a toxic relationship. I think we did some trauma bonding, though, because as I learned your story and I learned yeah. about some of the things that you went through, it was crazy to me. Like, if you don't mind sharing, right, she's also a survivor of domestic violence. Right. You know, at, what was it? Your kid's father? My son's father. You want to share just a little bit? Um, yeah, my son's father, he was very controlling. Um, I was young at the time, you know what I mean? I was very young uh, with him. And uh, I was 17, 18, maybe 18, 19. He was very controlling, uh, very aggressive, um, physically, mentally, verbally. Every, every which way you want. He wanted he wanted control. He didn't want me with no one else. He didn't want to see me with nobody else. I mean, I couldn't wear my hair down. I couldn't, I had to wear baggy clothes. Um, yeah, uh, was mad one day because I was out, hit me in my whole mouth with a cordless phone, you know, broke my whole front grill. And yeah, it was, it was just. So this is what you're dealing with outside of going to work. Yeah. So she was in a prison before she came to work in a yeah. prison. For all of those years, just dealing with situations with toxic relationships. And I think that's why I bonded. I think working in the prison, working with, you know, the women was what was good for me. It made me feel good. You need me to go in there every day. So the monster they made me out to be. Spot. Right? Far from I was. So to the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump for it. I mean, I know we run out of time. I am right now a manager. I started um when I went home, I just went knocking at doors, you know. 
I wanted to stay in the field. I had my recommendation from the judge. That's all I needed, you know, up to my armpit. I didn't care. You know what I mean? I had my degrees and I continued my degree. While I was fighting my whole case, I knew it was going to be what she wanted. While you were getting the degree, can you tell us like how difficult it was? Well, when I was, the whole time I was fighting my case, I was getting my degree and I knew that I had to continue on getting it. And 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 honestly, honest God, truth, I knew it was going to make Jamila proud. Mm-hmm. Like I knew once she heard that and that I'm continuing doing something, you know, making good of myself. Like my mind is not just drying up. I'm still moistening my mind, for lack of better words. So I um, got that degree. I came home. I went knocking at doors. So the first door I knocked out, I... I now she had a master's, right? Did no, I have a bachelor's, so, okay, and I, okay. I started my master's. Okay, we got our associates together. Got associates together. And then you finish your bachelor's, because you got your master's now. No, I'm working on my okay. master's. I, I stopped my master's because I had to start a program, a, a female halfway house, and I was asked to start up and running, um, which I couldn't juggle the both. I couldn't juggle starting my master's and doing this. So I had to... I mean, the crazy thing is I put my master's on hold to start this 15-bed female program up with the agency that I work for now. So I started from the ground up with it. Um, I ran it for a year and a half, and now they asked me now, promoting me upstairs to now run a 60-bed male uh, halfway house um, for men who are coming out of uh, incarceration, um, some who come from the community, lose their sponsorship, uh, some who come from other halfway houses, but the majority of them are coming from um, incarceration and, you know, trying to get their life back on track. So, so sis, hold on. That's, that's like unheard of. So usually if you leave law enforcement, you never get to go back, right? So, but not only did she go back, she went back in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So instead of just being someone who's, you know, she's creating programs, she's using the information mm-hmm. that she got from the inside of the things that we need because she saw and she was with us. Mm-hmm. So she basically turned her pain into purpose. purpose. And I say that, I say, you know, it's so crazy. And I know that saying this, but I have to be so say it. I have to say it, that what happened to me, and I say this all the time because I had to realize, like, you know, you always say, God, why? Why, 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 why? Okay. Because I knew that there was a reason why I went through what I went through. It wasn't just me. It was for other people, too. A lot of it was to get rid of some people who didn't need to be in my space. And then the other part of it was to gain some people that are in my life right now that I feel is a purpose. Is is so it's who God sent to me, and I cherish every bit of it. So you got rid of toxic relationships. Oh, yes. Right? And yeah. now you've been building healthy relationships. Exactly. That's what I was like, yo, yeah. she's the perfect guest for the topic that we've been talking yeah. about because yeah. some of your people turned on you, Yeah. Right? And I mean, some of our closest people, people who she would never dream of. Like, how was that? Yeah. I think that, you know, when, when that happens, you, you want to harp on it. You want to kind of still hold that in. But I think when you have to, when you have people who are strong beside you, to keep holding it down a little bit, that doesn't matter no more. And when I already realized what God was putting me through, it didn't matter to me no more. At first, I was like in there, like hurt behind it. But when I tell you, once I got home, Tara, and I figured out what my purpose was and that what I went through wasn't just for me. It was for people. It was to bring couples together, people in relationships. It was to do a lot of different things, but it wasn't just, it wasn't to hurt me. You understand? It was to make me smarter. It was to make me, it was to put me on my feet. And it was to make me know that I was a soldier for the war. I was built for it. Because when I tell you, I did it. And she had to get uncomfortable, right? right. To do something great. 
Because she would have stayed there. She would have been in the yes. same place. And some of her people got jammed up after that. Yeah. And other crazy yes. stuff. Yes. It was a toxic it's place. Toxic. And although she wasn't in a physical prison at the same time, working in that physical prison yeah. was like she was in prison. in prison. So it's like she had to go through the prison to get free. Yeah. So when I see you today, you grow. And Lauren Hill always said that too. When Lauren was there, when Lauren was there she was a, I mean, there, she said, this there's more for you than here. Have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z? She always would ask me that. And I'm like, no, you know, no, no, you know, no, you know, I'm naive. Like, no. But when I thought about it, I'm like, wow. Like, she was now, then she wasn't, and, and Jamila, they both used to do it. But now when I look at it, they prepared my mind to say, I was bigger than that. And that's mm-hmm. why God removed me from it, right? He had better things for me. He was going to put me through a storm, but I had to weather it. And I had to have that mustard seed of faith and trust that what he was putting me through was going to be a bigger picture for me. Now look at you now. Yes. Healing. Yeah. And I'm still, process, and I'm still, I'm still healing. Work your process. I'm That's still, right. Yes. It doesn't, no. I'm still healing, sis. Oh, I'm not saying I know. it's all over. The pain goes away. Yeah. But I know that there's something greater later. Yeah. And this story is for somebody that went through some, the shame, yeah. the, the newspaper yes. articles, all the crazy mess Everything. that you went through. And now look at you on the other side. Yeah. It's to the grace of God. It is. And I'm still growing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, at my point right now, I'm still growing. I'm still trying to put myself out there to different things and do different stuff. I'm not stopping until God tells me it's just, this is where I'm at. You know what I mean? So I get that. Mm-hmm. That's why I still go. So y'all heard it first. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, you, you just can't help but think, you know, something like this could happen to someone and they don't have what it takes to repair themselves. The, you know, just from the shame alone, you know, to, to stand back up and face. They, let me tell you something. They robbed me of so many things. But one thing they didn't rob me of was my dignity and my faith. And I told him that. I even told the guy, uh, the FBI guy, I, and I was so mad with that. I said, I don't what you do. F you, you can't. I just went crazy. As long as I got God. Mm-hmm. You can't do much. No, no, you can throw the key. I don't care. I'm going to get through this. And I did. You definitely did. I did. I did. So, you know, you got out. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through what that journey looked like? What did that look like for you? So when I got out, I mean, I had to get my affairs in order. Number one, I had to get my son in order because my son went through, my, both of my kids went through, but my son went through something where he ended up turning negative, doing something negative, got himself in trouble. So once I got that, I took my degree, I took my resume, I fixed it all up, and I went to another town called New Haven. Now, I live in a town, but I went to the town over. I mean, I, I still had the, the shame, so I didn't want to be in my town. So I went to the next town over, I went knocking at the mayor's door, um, told her who I was, was honest, told her about my story, showed her my resume, showed her my time in law enforcement, and she introduced me to this judge, the judge, um, and from there he moved the mountain for me. He set me up with this other guy who uh, works for my agency now, um, interviewed me. I said, I just want a little case manager position. He said, well, your credentials, your credentials you're bigger than that. God rest his soul right now. He was my best friend because um, he he moved the bigger mountain, right? And uh, yeah, that's how it all started. Just me just putting myself out there, telling my story, being so transparent with who I was. I knew my work ethic was so good. And I knew that as long as I kept going, I was going to get, I was going to, I was going to find the right person to say they believed in me. And this one guy, uh, again, God rest his soul, he believed in me. So it's crazy to hear about your son being in trouble or having some troubles after your trouble. So it's like the trauma 
transfer, mm. you know? So it became like generational trauma, right? Yeah. And people don't understand that. When we go through trauma, if we don't heal, mm. we, it still continuously happens. Mm. So how has trauma showed up or not showed up in your role and in your current day life? So when I got out, of, um, as I said, I had to get all my personal affairs in order. I, um, the first thing I had to get was my son. Uh, my son got arrested up in Maine uh, for selling drugs. Um, but up there, the, the governor of Maine, he didn't like the fact that people from New York, Connecticut was coming there selling drugs in his state. And any black man, he was. So they did just that. They tortured my son. They stripped him in a parking lot um, in the broad daylight, butt naked in a parking lot, you know, just kind of violated. So, you know, when, I, I, when I'm hearing about this, I was a week away from coming home. So once I got home, I knew I was coming out like a monster. I still knew the... The, the roles of a law enforcement officer. I still knew the laws. I still knew all that because I'm only 16. I mean, and when I tell you, I came out like a monster. So I was able to fight with my son first and did that. Got him home, got him time served before because they didn't want nothing more. They didn't want us me to go more with it. So they end up releasing him on time serve instead of where well, they could have gave him seven, eight years on it. Did that. And then I came home. I just went knocking at the doors. I uh, got my resume. I went to a town called New Haven. Um, which is over from my town. I didn't want to do it in my town because, again, I felt a little bit of shame with it because, again, it was in the papers. It was everywhere. So I went to a town. I met um, some good people. One guy who was a judge right now, I met him. And then another gentleman I met, God rest his soul right now, believed in me, moved mountain for me. And here I am today. Here I am. Yes. I mean, I just it just took somebody to believe in me. It took somebody. But it, it I had to be transparent. I couldn't go in like other than somebody I wasn't. I had to let them know who I was. And I and I showed them all my, my my certificates I received in my 18 years. I had like, you know, I said I'm all up on my wall. Mm-hmm. I had like 20. That way I was recognized in the bureau in all my years. So I had, it's, my work spoke for itself. It's just, you know, if people just, yeah. It's real. Starting over is not a... You know, it's like all the great work you do and then, you know, this few years, then then it's almost like you now you have to like give everybody your resume. Like you didn't just do 20 years of great work, you know? And that's why I say I think the judge believed in me and that's why he wrote me that that letter. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I I tell people, I mean, now, I mean, I don't, I I don't, I haven't told, you know, talked about it like this in, in all the time. That it has happened. I may have little conversations here and there, but now to say, I'll say, don't feel bad, mm-hmm. right? Um, this was a this was a testimony for me. It was a um, it was a journey. Um, it was a battle, but I felt like I did it. Like I felt like I'm a I'm a I'm a like I I'm I'm not a victim of it anymore. You know, I'm a survivor of it. I mean, I survived it. So if anybody are the victims, I feel like they're the victim now because y'all should be watching out for me. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I am I'm I'm the greatest I have ever been in since I left there. Like honestly. So I wanna say one thing to you. Yes. Friend. I'm super proud of you. I'm grateful that God sent you in my life in a yes. time that I needed you the most. Yes. And you was there for me. And it's like you kinda Paid it forward, gave it to me. Now it's my job to pay it forward. So the work that we kind of did together became a work. Mm-hmm. Sharing. Because it was in your office where we first remember we used to all come sit around and share and it's heal. Yeah. And now I'm sharing with the world in this capacity yeah. how when you do that, right, and you're able to really talk about your pain with trusted people, you're able to heal. So I just got one last question for you. What would you tell your childhood self? First of all, I would tell probably the first thing I would say is believe in me first. Mm-hmm. 
me, believe in me first, trust, trust me, trust whatever it is that I think, you know, never second guess myself um, and know that every day tomorrow brings a fresh start and, and an opportunity for you to start over and, and, and just begin things over. And there's never an end to anything. The next day always brings something. So just, you have to believe in yourself and you just have to trust. You have to trust everything about yourself. You know what you say? You say, I love me more. With this show, yes, 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 I do, I do. I am taking it. Perfect, yeah. True power of transformation and healing and love is possible. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I love you. I love you. So guys, when we come back, we're going to lighten it back up. Yeah. A little bit because that that thing was heavy. Yeah. But we got some bills to pay. So stay tuned. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Dr. Jamila T. Davis, and I got a special offer for you, right? It's my gift from me to you. You want to level up? You want to manifest the life of your dreams? Well, I'm going to give you a piece of the plan, right? It starts with my manifested now vision plan. So follow me. It's actually the template that I use each and every year to get into my goals, my dreams. And unlike a vision board, I actually put this document on paper with goals and dreams and plans of who I wanna be and what I want to become. And now you could do it too. It's time to level up y'all. It's time to be the best you that you can possibly be. And I'm gonna give you the plan. And best of all, I'm gonna give it to you for free. Click the link right here download today and level up make sure you share the results with me this is the exact plan that i've been doing for the last four years and each and every year is taking me higher and higher and i pray it does the same for you all right guys welcome back so now we are at the i love me more lightning round now i don't know if you've heard of this no but i'm gonna ask you a series of questions you have just a few seconds to answer the questions. Okay, let's go. I want you to, to uh, describe a toxic relationship in three words. Lying. Cheating. Yelling. Mm. Describe a healthy relationship in three words. Oh, my God. This you got this. I know. Okay. Like that. Oh, healthy relationship. Do you have, okay. Uh, love. Yes. Um, caring and um, intimacy. Okay. Okay. Oh, so since you're tough as nails. Okay. Um, you, you're in a car and you got a gun uh-huh. that pull you over. What uh-huh. are you doing? I'm just gonna surrender myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And also because you're so tough, what movie makes you cry? Um. Oh God. Uh, the guy when he's on the on the beach. Uh, when he got he got the little the the ball. He gets the plane crashes. To- oh, uh, Tom Hanks. Castaway. Yeah. That's it. Castaway. Yes. So Castaway makes me cry. Yes. Why? So because wait, hold on. Don't don't be pausing. Wait, because it really was a Castaway. I just thought of Castaway. Let me think of a movie that made me cry real quick. Girl, Why did you think of that? Castaway, dude. <laughs> Right. No, Castaway do make me cry because he'd be on the boat with the bike. He's talking to that boy. He's talking to that boy. Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. It is Wilson. That's it, Wilson. 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 Yeah, Wilson. Oh my God. Wilson was his only friend. And only if I said Castaway made me cry because let me tell you something. Girl. The way. Yes. Oh my, yes. No, I'm not going to tell you and I'm not going to get into it because, and I, I'll say why and I don't want to talk about it. There was something when I was locked up for 21 days in Rhode Island that was in that cell that made me, th- and they took it from me. 
Oh, see that trauma? So that is that's a real trick. Dead ass. But I don't want to talk about it because that that and my my nose be here running. Y'all ain't giving no tissue and shit. So no, <laughs> they and the, this they came and took and said I couldn't happen in my cell. And so that was the only thing that got me through twenty one days. Oh, You've yeah. shared so much. You can't share that. Standing on that. I don't. I mean, I'm ready to speak. You said what? So it was a head wrap <laughs> that I had from home. And they wouldn't let me have it, but there was only the smell that I had. That makes that makes so much sense. So it was like I was crying like he did in Wilson. So every time I see Castaway and I see him yelling for Wilson, I'd be yelling for the head wrap. Like that I'd makes me want to cry. I'd be crying out for the head wrap. Oh, oh my God. It's, but it's just those comforting to Yeah. So I'd cry out. And I begged them. I was like, why are you taking it? Like, I'd get, please give me the head wrap. That's the only thing I have. Like, so I was crying out for wow. the head wrap. And I, anybody would come to that door. Like, I started, I'm telling you, I started getting crazy. Like, I started getting mad. Like, they started making me mad. But I was getting stronger. Like, I was growing, like, Incredible Hawk. So the more they kept trying to make me out this monster, the Bigger matter I got. So but now you they know took the significance head of the head wrap, right? So they yeah. took your position. Yeah. They took your power. Mm. They took your freedom. Yeah. So the last thing you was holding on to it wasn't just because yeah. it was a head wrap, because a head wrap is not something that seems to be so important. But I remember I had that on just when I had went to uh, lunch with my daughter. You know what I'm saying? So that's, I had it. So the smell of everybody was just unwrapped from me. So I would unwrap and I just go. She was trying to hold smell. on to Yeah, so they took dignity. it. They yeah. took it. And they took the last took thing it. that you had. So I was crying on. out for the head wrap. Like Eeny was crying out. you don't have your own drawers. They take no. the drawers you have and give yeah. you new drawers. So you don't have anything that belongs to you. So I can relate. Yeah. So that's nothing to be ashamed yeah. of. That's just I'm what, not ashamed of it. I'm, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't use the word ashamed. I think that it was just so... It hurt because that was all I had to I respect to hold it. You know what I mean? So again, so the castaway to 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 say why, when he calls out for Wilson, it makes me feel like cause I used to be in the door, because when they had me locked in the door, I used to be in the window and I only had a little square window. I'd look and I used to be on the window like, hey, like trying to get the officer to come. Like I was calling out for Wilson. I just want my rap. Like y'all let me get my head wrap. Y'all calm me down. I'll sit my ass down and shut up if y'all just get my head wrap. Yeah, so they didn't want to get my head wrapped. So that's why when he does that, it's just like, you know, the, the being lost. is like, that's how I felt. So, sis, let me ask you a question. So it's so unique because usually people don't get to do both sides. So to be an officer and to be an inmate, mm. right? Now, you done did both of them, right? Which is crazy. So going back, knowing now what you know from both sides, right. if you had a chance to do it again and you was an officer, like... Like, would you do it differently or how would, how would you view, you know, that role? I want to do nothing differently. I want to do anything differently. Because here's the thing. When you are in prison, rules are implemented to be adhered to, right? So when I was, a, when I was the, as an inmate there, knowing I came from that, I knew I had to follow the rules. I knew I needed to follow the rules because that's what I was supposed to do. I didn't need to go in there and do anything different than what all them other girls were doing. I got into nothing that they was doing. And they didn't do nothing in front of me because they knew, like, I wasn't with it. So I still had the mentality of you still got to come in here and do right at some point. You know what I mean? Do I like the way that, did I not like the way the staff were coming at me or the way the staff were coming at them? So if I had to do anything different, if I could go back, I would get to a bigger, and I got into a bigger position as a ward or something, I would train staff. And how to communicate better with the inmates. That's good. 
You know what I mean? Because they, you have to, it, it all has to be trauma-informed based, you know what I mean? Because people are going through things. You don't know why they're here, what their mother did, what their father did, and that made them do this crime and made them do this. So there's certain ways you got to speak to people. So that I saw that people wasn't doing. So if I can change that, if I had to, if I can get back into the system and got into a high position, oh, there would be a training for staff on that. So you know what we didn't talk about, which is so very important because it changed my life, right? So... While I was incarcerated, there was a program called Choices that was actually Keisha's program where she took inmates out into the free world to like, you know, halfway houses or homes for at-risk youth. And we mentored them. And it was me mentoring youth, right, through her program called Choices, which set the stage for my whole entire life now. So all the stuff that I do in schools and places of that nature, I started that work as an inmate from behind bars. Do you remember that when you used to take us out in the street mm-hmm. and we would go and visit the Yeah, we still would go to different, in the community, we'd go to different, uh, a lot we did with the state. So it was at, with the at-risk youth, so, and it was all girls. Um, some was boys, yeah. but Jamila was my main leader because, again, Jamila was my, you know what I mean? So I'm like, she got to go and she got to kill this. So we had other um, inmates in the group. It's like 12 of them all together. But they had to go through a course in order to be in this elite group where you can go out in the community with me in a van and then we stop and get food and we just have a good time. And they they let me take all these inmates by myself. Take a little me. I got like 15 girls with me by myself in a van. We just ride it. Some right. of us had 18 yeah. year sentences, 30 yeah. years sentences. And I got them all by myself. And we doing what we mm-hmm. do. And we saw how much that work transformed the community yeah. that made me want to continue yes. to do that yes. work. And I helped her with the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So today I develop curriculum. Yes. You know, I'm, yeah. I have a PhD mm-hmm. and this is what I do. I'm an educator. I develop curriculum. Yeah. But I started with her from behind bars and doing my job as a recreation clerk, mm-hmm. developing curriculum. So that's why I'm saying, yo, this was a purpose mission we was on. Even back then, God knew I would meet you and he had you set and we did this work. And look at how many lives, thousands of lives of students who have now been impacted through something that started a prison. So powerful. Yeah. Oh, this is such a powerful story, you know, of how you guys connected and, and how you just did the full circle. This is such a powerful story. Yeah. You know? It's a real story. I mean, just it stuff is. that people yeah. can't even imagine. And even if you look at, you know, it's not just a testament to people looking at you, but people who are working in that environment still mm-hmm. that, you know, that doesn't know something like this could even happen yeah. to them. So just as we, I just want to backtrack because there's just like some really important things that you guys touched on that I feel need just, you know, some clarification. So when you, when, when she was locked up and you said that, um, you know, she was saying she had her group of people and the other ward had her group of people. Did you feel guilty when she got locked up? I absolutely felt guilty. And I felt I felt responsible mm-hmm. because I know the haters. And I know that it wasn't that they disliked her. I feel like they disliked me because they seen my glow up. I was around them every day in a way that I knew was bothersome you know, because they felt like she was responsible for my success from behind bars. So, yeah, I felt guilty as hell. And and that's why I said I, I can't just let her just lay down. Like, mm-hmm. in the street, you do a crime. We know we do a crime. We do the time, whatever. Like, it's street codes. the street rules to this, right? So, you do the time. You know what you're doing. You're not telling. 
right? But what happens to somebody who didn't do nothing, you know what I mean, wrong? Right. And get set up. Like, how, what are we doing? What are we playing? Mm-hmm. So I had to level up and I had to try my best to get her out of that situation. And unfortunately, I was unsuccessful, but I damn sure put my best foot forward because mm-hmm. I felt like what happened to her was unjust. And then after that time, what, well, when she went away and you lost your friend, what, what was that like? That she only wanted to take me back there. I, I felt like I lost the greatest friend I ever had. Like, I cried. Like, boom, tears. Like, newborn baby cried tears for, for weeks and months. And it was rough. It was I feel like her getting popped was worse than me getting popped. Because at least me, I know I, I'm gambling here. You know what I mean? You kind of know what you're doing. You know, I didn't think I was supposed to get the time I got. But I at least knew... I played a real role in that. Mm-hmm. For her, somebody who lived in a life and just didn't deserve that, she about to lose her pension. And then I know what she about to go through because I'm I'm experiencing it. Mm-hmm. it. It was too much for me to bear, you know, but with the grace of God, I got through that difficult situation. And I think it was just the greatest joy seeing her on the other side because it reminded me, going through my storm, I realized it had purpose, but it also showed me her going through her storm too mm-hmm. and coming out on the other side on top and let me know that God is very real and he has a purpose for pain. All right, y'all. So you done heard a lot. This was an episode, a really, really emotional one for me. And I hope you value the fact that like through this, these conversations, you know, you're going to see Tara bring folks on. We bring in different people on. I just want y'all to keep it so real with y'all because I feel like that part is what's going to help you to heal. You know, I mentioned, I started from behind bars, actually with Keisha. I started, I got my associates, my bachelor's and my master's. I started my coursework for my PhD from behind bars. And when I came home, I actually ended up getting my PhD, right? And it was curriculum that I learned from behind bars that kind of transformed me. And now I give that curriculum to people. Because in order to heal, you got to eat the food, right? You got to eat the ingredients that's going to help you to transform your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your soul. And we got them gems, Mm y'all. It's the I Love Me More course. It just takes you further. We could talk all day, Mm -hmm. but until you do the work and put that work in, transformation isn't possible. So we give you all the tools that you need to really, really break free, to heal, to transform, to build your self-confidence and become the greatest self that you can possibly be. So if you have not already, make sure you check us out at www.ilovememorepeery.com. And it has every tool that you need there for transformation. So before we close out, Keisha, I just want to ask you, what are you doing now? Well, I'm running the program. I'm running a 60-bed male uh, halfway house. I'm the manager for that. I deal with, uh, again, inmates coming out of prison into my halfway house or from the community losing a sponsorship or just from another half on a, on a uh, disciplinary transfer from another halfway house. And what are your aspirations? God, man, I have so many. <laughs> I have so many of them. I mean... Right now, my biggest aspiration right now is just being, just being the best of me. You know, being me, being the, being the loving yourself more. Yes, loving me more. So, sis, with that said, we got our signature "I Love Me More" T-shirts. You know, y'all can cop those online. Yes, this is for you. you. I want you to wear this, right? And when you wear this, I want it to be your personal reminder and affirmation that you love yourself more. 
So for viewers who want to check out your story further and want to learn more about you, Keisha, tell them how they can, can reach you. Well, they can find me on Facebook. I'm at Key Ellis on Facebook or on Instagram, Keisha.127 on Instagram. I know that's right. <laughs> check out my girl. <laughs> All right, guys, that ends another episode of I Love Me More podcast. Keisha, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your transparency and take it on out. (laughs) It's nothing to say on this one. All I want to say is I need a hug. Yeah, hug. I love you. So, guys, if you want more content like this, if you want more healing tools, if you want more information, Please join our community, community of women that are empowering and inspiring each other at www.blackwomenslivesmatter.com. Join today on the next episode of I Love Me More podcast. This woman right here, she is a survivor. She's a warrior. So give it up for now my friend and colleague in this work as well, Miss Kimberly Hill. I'm the mother of eight-year-old Deshaun Hill, who was a victim of gun violence. He got shot and killed in 2003. You're so resilient. Right. How did you heal? I didn't start my healing process for a long time. When I lost him, I lost a big part of me because that was my rock. What does that, that next day look like? My son and my daughter, who was five and three at the time, that just witnessed their brother getting killed. My thing was, how am I going to break it to them that their brother's dead, that this is done, like he's not coming home? Three months after Deshaun got killed, I got diagnosed with cervical cancer. I mean, it's been a couple of times where I'm just like, you know what, God, whatever you want to do, just do it because I'm done.